Let's look to our text today, which is in Romans chapter 12. It should be on your screen there. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. I'm going to invite our lead pastor, Billy Glosson, up. He's going to be walking us through the word today. I'm going to pray for him. Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful for your provision. Like I said, in times where the skies are gray and it's raining all the time and it's cold outside, it can be, it can be easy to get down and melancholy. And, but Lord, there, there's just so much goodness to be, to be mine from you, so much wonder and grace and graciousness and hospitality. And as we look in Romans today, I pray that you would open our hearts, our minds to what you would have us hear, challenge us, and encourage us. I pray that you would give Billy wisdom and discernment. And Lord, I pray that as we hear this text today, that we would remember the gospel in all things. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. So again, we have spent the last several weeks kind of just walking through our kind of DNA, who we are as a church. And um, man, when I think about the local church, one of the things I love the most is when Jesus brings people who really have no business together, not only becoming friends, but becoming brothers and sisters. It's a really beautiful thing. And so it kind of just reminds me of some friends of mine back in Missouri. I met a couple who was considerably uh, in a different phase of life than I was. Right? They had several children. They were about a decade or so older than me, and they were just kind of moving and grooving and working on things. I was pretty fresh out of college working uh, as an intern at a church, and I got invited by my friends Nathan and Sarah over uh, to have some food. And so we came over. It was a snowy day, um, and we were excited to hang out with them. Nathan managed a local grocery store bakery, and um, Sarah was also an extremely hard worker, just like her husband. And she was uh, just a really great mom who worked at home with her children, but also had a side gig as a jazzercise instructor. Again, not what you would think we would be hanging out all the time. Um, I'm, no offense if you're into jazzercise. It's just like, come on, you wouldn't see me doing that. I would look like a fool. But if you know me and Hannah, you'd wonder, how did we become friends with these guys? Well, honestly, they just invited us over. They bought this old farm home and they poured their energy into leveraging their space for the kingdom. So you had this big house with about four or five acres behind it, and they just sought to use their space for the kingdom. And so we had an incredible meal. We told stories, we laughed, and that first night of hospitality, it led to a really incredible friendship over the years. Somehow in this odd mix of me, which is the extrovert's extrovert, right? I want to party all the time. And Nathan and Sarah, who were somehow willing to go along with my crazy schemes of hosting goofy parties, they were the host's host. They always loved to host. They loved to serve anything they could do. And so Hannah and I, we would get as many people together as possible. And the Pierce family was so happy to collaborate to host. And we did some goofy stuff, right? Bonfires, silly theme parties, church retreats dinners, house concerts, more. All of it was hosted by this sacrificial family. And there were believers and not yet believers standing on their patio, feeling welcomed, feeling relaxed. This family valued hospitality so, so much. They welcomed missionary teams from Brazil. They welcomed our community group. They welcomed friends of friends that they didn't even know to their home. 
And they made such a massive impact on Hannah and I that to this day we talk about when we buy a home, we want to always ask the question, how can we leverage it to be hospitable like the Pierce family? There's something about good hospitality that resonates with you, right? Hospitality can make all the difference between a really good restaurant and a great restaurant. It makes the difference on whether you're going to go back to that person's house again or not. If you'll say, you know what, we're going to host next time. Today, we're going to zero in on this idea of hospitality. And if you missed the last few weeks or if you've slept since then, I just want to catch you up with where we're at. Typically at Corumdale, what we do is we go through books of the Bible. We do what's called expositional preaching. It's something we value. It, it puts us in different places throughout God's word to teach us exactly the full counsel of what he has for us. Occasionally, we will take a break like we are right now and during Lent to look at different topics, things like that. And so uh, we are jumping in a series, which we've entitled DNA, to look at who we are. What, what are the building blocks that make up Quorum Deo Church? What is our mission? What is our vision? And what do we value? So the first week we started with our mission and our vision, which the mission of the church is its identity, its foundation, and the vision of the church is the aspiration, where do we hope to go? And then the core values of the church are the intentional culture-shaping distinctives. And because I know you guys are super excited about everything I just said, because it sounds like a textbook, let me throw up a chart, because that's really fun. So here's the deal. We spend a lot of time talking about core values because what that means is what makes us distinct, right? Why start a new church? What do you value? What makes you different? Well, that's our core values. So if the mission is the defining statement, which for us, it's that we want to live before God's face, making disciples of Jesus. And our vision is that we would see just the sum total of our lives here in Burke County, that it wouldn't just be about Sundays for Jesus. The rest of the week is for me, but the whole of everything that we do is live before the face of God. And we see many, many people coming to know Jesus. How do we get there? Well, that's our strategy, right? And so what happens often in the life of the church is your strategy just goes all over the place. Hey, let's try this thing. Let's do that thing. And a lot of times you end up going way off base and you miss the mark. The core values are what keeps us in the box, in that frame, so that we don't shoot all over the place. It's the intentional culture-shaping distinctives. And so what happens often, again, is our strategy can go all over the place without values, without a sense of why do we do what we do? And this can take us far away from our vision. So today, we're looking at another one of our values, specifically gracious hospitality. And here's how we've defined gracious hospitality. It says this, so Corndale Church is a family graciously welcoming a diverse people into a loving community, celebrating God's grace together in our homes, neighborhoods, and spheres of influence. Hospitality is a really, really big deal in the life of the believer, or at least it should be. As far back as you want to go into history and you look at God's people, one of the God-appointed duties of the righteous is hospitality. And what I mean by that is simply this, the willingness to welcome people into your home or your apartment, wherever you live, who don't ordinarily belong there. In the New Testament, the duty was re-emphasized for Christian community. Paul writes the epic book of Romans, and there's so much richness and goodness to it. And he gets into chapter 12. He talks about a life of worship, what it looks like for the Christian to have the sum total of their life live before God's face. It's an epic, epic passage. And he says this in verse 13. He says, contribute to the needs of the saints, practice hospitality. Another way, more accurately, what it says is pursue hospitality. 
And the idea is implying a continuous action. So the command for us in Romans 12, 13 is that hospitality isn't just something you do at Thanksgiving when you kind of begrudgingly let that weird uncle you don't like so much come and eat at your house. That's not it, right? It's not just Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's a constant attitude. It's a constant practice where we're always opening our home. We're always welcoming people in. That this service, our gathering, our homes, our apartments, they should stand constantly ready for gracious hospitality. That is a readiness to welcome people who don't ordinarily live there. So each of our values, what we try to do is we want to focus on the church gathered, what we do corporately as the body, and then the church scattered. What does it look like as we go back into the city, back into our homes throughout the week? How do these values work? And so we're going to look at these um, in those two ways. So the first one that we see this evening is gracious hospitality in the church gathered. Gracious hospitality gathered. And here's how we define this value for the church gathered. We say this. Devoting ourselves to one another as a family by sharing meals, welcoming others as we study God's word and celebrate his grace. So as we look at our passage in Romans 12, Paul's writing about a new life, one that is a life filled with worship, which is what we're going to investigate next week. And he's saying this translates into us being a part of a new community, that we have new relationships, that we are called into a kingdom, called to be a part of the church of the living God. And God isn't just saving individuals to himself, but he's saving a family, a body of believers who live interdependently for the sake of one another. So we are committed to a local body of believers, and that means that we are genuinely and deeply concerned with one another. Right? We don't just kind of, we're not just strangers passing in the night where we see that one person every now and again. I can't remember that one guy's name on Sunday, but that we actually know each other and get to hang out and spend time with one another. That we're committed to each other, that we care about each other's physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being. That we show a love that is wholehearted, a love that is practical. So last week we talked about community groups and that, that's a place where discipleship happens. And I'd point us again here to community groups. And the purpose of these is not that we'd have a Bible study that we can check off of the list, but rather instead that we would be a family of disciples that makes disciples. That we would get to know each other, invest in each other, and catch this. This is going to be a wild one. Befriend one another. Okay, I cannot tell you how many people I know as adults who are perhaps deeply committed to their church and have no real friendships. That's really sad. It is. I remember doing youth ministry when I was in college and one of my students started telling me that he didn't really want to grow up. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, my parents don't have any friends. His dad was a deacon in the church and his mom served like crazy. I'm like, dude, that's not okay. Like, what do you mean your parents don't have any friends? That's not good. Here's what happens is what images God is when a watching world sees a group of people who have no business hanging out, committed to the kingdom, and that translates to a profound love for the people of God, right? These are people who have seemingly nothing in common. They're people who are different in age, different in race, social class, and gender coming together under the banner of Christ. That speaks the hope of Jesus loudly. We should be the most welcoming and loving people on the planet. We should be. We should be eager to gather on Sundays, to gather together in our homes, and to celebrate God's grace. And grace is the hospitality of God to welcome sinners, not because of their goodness, but because of his glory. 
If God chose not to magnify the glory of his own self-sufficiency and instead he decided, you know what, I'm going to enrich myself. I'm going to look for the most talented, the most virtuous housemates. Then there would be no grace in the world. There would be no hospitality. There would be no salvation. You see, you and I, we owe our eternal life to grace. And grace is God's disposition to glorify his freedom, his power, his wealth by showing hospitality to you and I, sinners in need of his grace. So because of this, we show hospitality. We do. Perhaps one of my favorite things about hospitality, about displaying grace is sharing a meal. Right. A lot of people will hang out with me. Uh, Daniel joked with me the other day. He's like, you cook in a lot of weird ways. You know, I was talking about sous vide and he's like, you put food in a bag. It's a weird thing. Right. Like I love to make food in unique ways. I love to try and stretch myself and grow. Sometimes it works out beautifully and sometimes it's there. You know, so we just kind of figure it out together. But what comes to mind when we think about hospitality is often food. Right. Maybe you think of restaurants or or different places you frequent like coffee shops. Did you know that when you eat? You're rehearsing a gospel truth. The fact that you need something from outside of you to come inside of you and give you life, that's grace. This is why we push when we get together as community groups, we eat. Not because we love inconveniencing you at 530 on a Tuesday, but because we see there is value in breaking bread together. Right? The Bible over and over again and again talks about the holiness of eating together. Long dinners with good food, good drink, good company, and good conversation that centers around our beliefs, our hopes, our fears. That's a good dinner. It is. And the Bible says that that is holy. And we're going to come back to this idea of eating and how we can leverage that for the kingdom individually as the church scattered. But I want to say this. We have a high theology of good food at Corndale. We do. We do. And I know that sounds goofy, but what that means is, you know, when we do things together, typically I'm not going to run and get Little Caesars pizza and just kind of shove some cardboard at you. No offense if you love Little Caesars. I got a kid. I get it. But look, the deal is this. We want to be welcoming and gracious in a world that increasingly just wants quick food and devalues meals together. We fight to enjoy the good gifts of God together. We do. Finally, as we talk about this idea of the church gathered, I want to say that we fight to build a welcoming culture. Again, if we say hospitality is this willingness to welcome people, specifically those who don't ordinarily belong here, that means we're going to fight to make people feel welcomed. This doesn't just mean people who think like we think, who look like we look, and who like what we like, but those who are different than us. So if, say, someone new comes in, let's sit with them. Let's get to know them. Let's build relationships with them. Listen, here's the stark reality of Burke County, right? Everybody talks about joking about, oh, we're in the midst of the Bible Belt. 60,000 plus people don't darken the door of a church on Sunday morning. Okay, that's a lot. There's only 90,000 in the county. You do the math. It's bad. It's a hard and fast reality. So we want to be people who are welcoming because if someone gets the gumption because either they Googled us or somebody invited, uh, invited them to come in, let's be hospitable and let's welcome folks in. That means introduce yourself to someone new. And I want to say this too. If you don't know somebody's name and you're like, man, I know that guy and I've talked to him and it's weird now. You know what I'm talking about when you're like, hey, man, 
how are you doing? You know, it's this whole thing and you're hoping, let me grab someone to introduce you. And then, you know, you're trying to work it in. Hey, here's a freebie. Everybody just say your name today when you talk to people. Like it, it, there's immunity. It's okay. Like let's hit reset. It's all right to be like, hey, guess what? I'm getting older. I don't remember my own name half the time. Please tell me your name again. So we, we think about even in this season, right, we're in the basement of Summit. We know that we're not like in a sexy space that everybody's eager to come to. We want to still maintain and fight for unity. That's why we have signs everywhere, because we want people to know where to go to the bathroom or where to check their kids in. This is why we put a connect table right by the door with coffee so that if you want to get a cup of coffee, if you need information, you know where to find it. This is why we put a high emphasis on Corndale Kids, even in this season, of being a fun and inviting place to learn about Jesus. And even in this low-key season of church planning, we want to make sure that kids check-in is important and a high priority, that we have safety precautions in place, because we want people to know that not only are their kids having fun, not only are they learning about Jesus, but they're safe and secure. This is why we have connect cards because people want to check out church, maybe have questions for things. And this isn't a great space because there's so many things going on and it's easy to be like, oh man, I meant to ask so-and-so. So we have a way for people to get the information they need. This is why, and I know this sounds goofy, but if you go in the bathroom, you may have wondered, why are there wisps, which my daughter steals mostly every week? Why are there like deodorant and lotion and all these different things? Because we want people to feel welcomed. We want to say that, hey, we have been welcomed by the king of the ages. We who deserve nothing but wrath, we have been given mercy. We have been showered with grace upon grace. And so, yeah, we buy little Guatemala coffee instead of bulk things of Folgers because even in the same small way, we say that God didn't cut corners to pursue and love us. So I'm not going to cut corners to love you. So we value gracious hospitality. But this translates as well from us in this gathering to us individually. So let's look next at gracious hospitality in the church scattered. And here's how we've defined this value as the church scattered. Living in diverse community, welcoming others into our gatherings, homes, and lives. So as God's people, we're called to operate not out of fear, but out of courage. We are. We are living in an increasingly diverse city with people who may not look like you or even speak the same language as you. And we have an incredible opportunity to showcase the glory and grandeur of our great God by being hospitable. You see, when we live courageously, when we put our hope in the reality of who Jesus is, what he has already accomplished by his perfect life, his death on the cross, his burial and resurrection for us, it changes everything. We're free to be the people of God, living out the mission of God, despite what new and challenging things come our way. When we talk about what it means to be courageous, what it means to be faithful in the age of unbelief, we have to talk about the Great Commission, right? Jesus speaks to his disciples and says, go into all the world, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age, right? That's the Great Commission. That's our mission. It is. And though it's always been true, I think it's more true than ever to say that evangelism in our post-Christian age is going to look like hospitality. That's what it's going to look like. You heard me right, hospitality. If we are going to walk courageously in our cultural climate, evangelism will look like showing hospitality. I mean, don't, don't hear me say that hospitality is the sum total of courage or evangelism. I'm not just saying like, hey, have a guy over for a bagel and never say the name of Jesus. Not at all. 
But don't miss me saying that living courageously will certainly involve living hospitably. Hospitality might sound a little unexciting, or maybe even it feels a little initially confusing, but when the Bible speaks of hospitality, it almost always ties it to aliens and strangers. That means people who are not like us. And again, we come back to this idea that gracious hospitality means to give loving welcome to those outside of your normal group of friends, your normal circle of people that you have influence and relationship with. It's opening your life, it's opening your home to those who believe and look differently than you. And hospitality is all over the Bible. It is. In fact, it's so important to God that when Paul lists out the traits that are necessary for a man to be qualified for the office of elder or pastor in a local congregation, here's what he says. This is in 1 Timothy 3.2. He says, Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable. So we ask, To be an elder, does a man, he has to be able to open his life and show kindness to those who believe different than he does. He has to open up his world to those outside of what he believes and what he senses. Yes, absolutely. Because this is serious. It really is. Now, why would the Bible be so serious about hospitality? Again, it's because God has been so incredibly hospitable to us. Even when we were living as his enemies, God came and saved us. We spent the first several months as a church diving deep into the book of Ephesians. And we saw this in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. God is the one who opened the door and invited us into his presence. And we demonstrate that we truly appreciate this divine hospitality that we've received as we extend our own hospitality to those around us. And I'm not suggesting that biblical hospitality is some kind of silver bullet in the world of evangelism. It it doesn't exist, right? There is no silver bullet. But might it not be that in our cynical, polarizing, critical dumpster fire culture, that a warm dose of welcoming, gracious hospitality will take some folks by surprise and open up the door for opportunities to make disciples of Jesus. So I'm going to give you guys four quick ways that we can show hospitality. Here's the first one. Welcome everyone you meet. Welcome everyone you meet. If you're my wife, Hannah, that's really easy for you, right? You can just say hello to anybody and everyone. You know, if you're a little bit more like me, I'm extroverted. I get it. I'm a great extrovert. I love to speak to people. Maybe it's not so hard. But if you're introverted and like the thought of like saying something to someone scares you, I get it, right? It it can be a little bit scary. But here's the idea. Often the best things to do are the hardest things to do. Every day we we walk our kid into school and much to the chagrin of our six-year-old, we say hello to everybody, there's little kids out holding the door for us. We're like, thank you so much. She's like, stop talking to them every single day. It's embarrassing for her, but it's so great because all these people are super happy to see us and get to know us. Because again, all we're doing is just greeting people, welcoming everyone that we meet. You see, in our cold world of division, we can showcase mercy just by being kind-hearted. Pray for grace, ask for strength, and well, greet people. Second, engage people. Engage people. Remember that everyone you meet is eternal. 
I think sometimes we lose perspective of that. We talked about the, that this past week in our community group, that we are all image bearers of the living God. Sometimes we can look past people, right? We might see a homeless guy that we don't want to really engage with and just drive on by, but you never meet someone who's just a mere mortal, and you've never met someone who doesn't bear God's image. So you can care about and take an interest in those that you run across. And I don't think this is something that's overly difficult. We simply need to ask open-ended questions and let our inner curiosity out. Right? Ask questions, get to know people. And you may think this is all obvious, but so often we lack the courage to do something that's obvious and we hold back from doing it. We need to get to know people, take an interest in them and listen to them rather than just trying to think about how we can say something memorable or be funny. Three, make meals a priority. I told you I'd come back to this. Make meals a priority. What this means is we regularly eat meals with others as a display of the love, provision, and acceptance of God. When we do this, when we welcome other people into our homes, when we take someone out for a meal, here's the idols that we can overcome. Selfishness, right? We give up family time. We give up extra costs to feed someone. Perfection, right? You mean you want me to clean this? Have you seen my children? Have you seen my house? Like, you don't want to clean this, or you don't want people coming in that. They might catch something, right? Safety. Well, I don't know, man. They're kind of weird. I don't really know them that well. They're not really like me. Control. When you're hanging out with your wife and you're ready to wind down for the night and you hear, hey, what's up, man? We just want to stop by and see how you're doing, right? Now, maybe you don't have family like that, but some of us do. Look, here's the deal. We lay these idols down. We do. We lay down our lives and we invite people in, followers of Jesus or not, and we generously share good food, good drink with them. And this is something that's incredible, right? Something very significant is happening at the meal. Again, we already said this earlier. We are hungry and we are in need. And that need is met only by something that comes from outside of our bodies. And how amazing is it that Jesus called himself the bread of life? That we have a deep spiritual hunger that can only be met by Jesus. When people eat together, they experience something more than just a physical event. Again, it's a spiritual event that is taking place, whether they acknowledge it or not. That God has provided a means to sustain life outside of our own lives. And whenever we eat, we are experiencing God's provisional care for us. And that meal creates an experience of unity, of oneness at a table, right? This is why most business deals take place during meals. This is why a lot of conversations happen when people have a drink in their hand or when they're sitting around a table. This is also why Jesus is called a friend of sinners because he identified with them over a meal. This is why the Lord's Supper is called communion, because it's a common meal eaten together to remind us of a common provision we share in the blood of Jesus. We are one in our need and one in taking in God's provision for our need. So we have communion. Cormdeo, listen, here's the deal. You are already eating probably three times a day. Don't do it alone. Do it with others and watch Jesus join you at the table and change the meal. He is well acquainted with joining people at the table. Invite Jesus and invite others to dinner and see what he does. Fourth, love the outsider. Love the outsider. In every work environment, right? Every neighborhood, there are people who, for whatever reason, 
they're kind of outliers, right? Maybe you already have somebody in mind at work. There's that one guy who's kind of awkwardly off to the side or someone in your neighborhood or apartment complex. These men and women are all around you, perhaps more so even in our globalized world. Because of the way that sin affects us, we tend to run away from differences. We tend to run away from being around people who think differently and look differently than we do. But I want to lay this before you. Jesus Christ would have moved towards these people. He would. God extends radical, gracious hospitality towards me and you. And we love the outsider because we were the outsider. And just just a blanket statement. We have a really great task in front of us as there is an increasingly growing Latino community here. There are so many people who come to this place who do not speak our language and do not look like us. And so often the church is not welcoming and generous and gracious to them. And we have an opportunity. Yes, not all of us speak Spanish. Most of us don't. But we can make meals. We can show grace and we can learn and we can be those who extend hospitality and generosity to people who are different than us. Coram Deo, would we bring the better wine? Here's what I mean by that. Jesus' first miracle is him turning water into wine. And guess what he does? After everybody has already celebrated and having a good time, he brings quite literally the better wine. Everything about who we are should ooze grace, generosity, and mercy. We should be the most excited, happy, loving, welcoming people on the planet. But so often Christians are known as the curmudgeons that don't like anyone. And we have to fight against that. Would we be a people who showcase the mercy and love of Jesus to a divided and broken world? Right, As dark and dire as the landscape may appear right now, we know that the battle has already been won and that the means that we have, man, we don't have to fight because Jesus has already declared the victory. This age of unbelief, it looks big, it looks intimidating for the church, but it's simply a small subplot and a bigger, better story, the greatest story ever told, the gospel And while there are spiritual realities, there's significant things at work. There's things that we're called to. And we're called to just the simple everyday faithfulness that works itself out in our lives, which is marked by hospitalities. In some ways, it's the big flashy acts, the kind of stuff that we photograph, we slap a filter on and we show our friends online. That's the thing that gets noticed. That's the thing that everyone wants to do. When are we going to do that thing? And yet those are the things that often require the least of us. I'm convinced that Christian courage probably looks more like inviting a group of strangers into your home for dinner than the attractive, successful ideas we've dreamed up in our minds. These sorts of things, what they actually require is courage because they force us to rely on the Lord and his strength and not our own. Especially if you're an introvert because you got no good charisma to lean on there. You're kind of just hoping that the conversation isn't too quiet and awkward, right? You need God's grace. You need his mercy. And so do I. When we open our homes and we build friendships with those who don't look like us, believe like us, act like us, we open up our lives and we make ourselves vulnerable. We do. We risk getting hurt. We risk making enemies with those we don't, who don't think the way that we think or act the way we act. Yet we can do it because of the hope, strength, and courage we get from the Lord. And today I don't want to just say this and leave you feeling motivated for, the, for this, you know, just to kind of fade on Tuesday. I want to give each of you a tangible task. So Josh, if you want to come on up. We're going to do something a little different. So I'm going to have Josh pass these out to each family and individual. Um, we bought you guys gift cards. 
but don't use them for yourself. Take someone out to dinner. Quite literally, that's what we want you to do with this. So we, we were debating, looking through this, looking at our budget, and rather than spending a whole bunch of money on a mailer that would go out to someone to tell them about Corndale Church that they would likely look at and throw in the trash, we said what would be far better is if we instead, instead decided to invest in you. We want to invest in you going out to people to share a good meal, to welcome them into your life, invite them over to your home maybe afterwards, invite them to this gathering, invite them to your community group, but showcase the great love of Jesus. Because here's the reality. We are called to be people who outdo one another in honor, to show love and mercy and grace to each other, and to extend that grace to those who are around us. But so often what we do is we walk around in terror. That, man, if I say something, they might be offended. We cannot live this way. We have a great God who goes before us. We have one who is not like us. We look to Jesus who walked among us, who lived a life that none of us could live. He showcased true compassion, true kindness, true humility, and true hospitality. And then... In an act of true grace, true bravado, he died the death that we were all owed. He went to the cross, taking on our guilt, our shame, laying down his life. But it didn't end there. Jesus, no, rose from the grave and offered grace and mercy, giving us his righteousness. That when we stand before God Almighty, he doesn't look at us and see all of our brokenness and baggage. He looks at his perfect holy son. That's the hospitality you have been shown. And so I don't want to just tell you a couple quick things that you can do that you might think about a little bit. But I'm begging you. I'm petitioning you here. Now you've got one less barrier. You now have a means by which you can take someone. So with this. Greet someone, get to know them, invite them out for dinner and pay for it. Showcase the mercy and love and hospitality of Jesus. Man, my prayer is that Coram Deo would not just be another church that kind of exists, that sort of does a few fun little missional things every now and again. You know, we do some good things here and there, but ultimately we're still selfish. We're still scared. But that we would say, no, because of the gospel, we will lay down our lives to see Jesus be made much of and his kingdom come, his will be done. So tonight, I don't know where you're at personally. I don't know if, man, you're already someone who's opening up your home all the time. If you're someone who's terrified of that prospect. But regardless, we are all people who have been shown amazing grace, unbelievable hospitality at the name of Jesus. My prayer tonight is we get ready to receive the hospitality of Jesus at his table is that we would be a people who are encouraged, delighted, rejoicing in the grace and mercy shown us in Jesus, that we would no longer have fear, but that we would go out from this place with courage. Let's pray together. God, we are so grateful for the mercy and love of Jesus, that you loved us with a love unrelenting, that you showcased and showered mercy upon mercy on us. Lord, would we be a people who know this truth? Would we be a people who cling to this truth? Would we seek you always? Father, forgive us for the times in which we're scared. We're afraid to speak the hope of the gospel. We're afraid what people might think. We're afraid that, man, if we have them over for dinner, it's just going to be real weird. I pray, Lord, that we would see people in this community in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, uh, maybe a group of friends that we might know that we don't really want to speak the hope of the gospel to, we don't really know what it looks like to get to know them, that we would extend hospitality to them. 
I pray for these meals that are going to happen from this, this room, Lord. I pray that people would go and be audacious. They would be bold to invite others out to eat with them. And then just get to know them. Ask open-ended questions. Learn more about them. And extend hospitality to them. God, I pray that you would work in a powerful way through this. I pray that you would give us courage. <coughs> that we would be a people who are marked by your love. We pray all this, God, not with confidence in ourselves, but confidence in the finished work of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.